What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Bill Press Pod and today's podcast, or maybe we should call it a podcast, because that's what we're going to be talking about, the stunning rise of legalized marijuana. Five years ago, you would never have thought that same-sex marriage would be legally recognized in all 50 states, but it is today, and today you might never think that the recreational use of marijuana would ever be legally recognized in all 50 states, but you know what? Five years from now, it may very well be. Medical use of marijuana has long been approved in a majority of states, but state approval of recreational use of marijuana is now moving quickly across the country. So we thought it was a good time to take a deep dive into the world of pot. How many states have legalized recreational use of marijuana? How's it going? What problems, if any, have been encountered? And which states are about to join the club? We sat down with Justin Strakel, political director of the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, or NORML, at NORML's headquarters in downtown Washington. Hi, Justin. Good to see you. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Bill. It's great to see you as well. Thanks for having so me. So one of your members, uh, staffers that I've known for a long time, Keith Stroop, uh, told me that when NORML started in 1970, there was 12% support for legalized recreational use of marijuana. What is it today? It's gotten a little better, hasn't it? it it's much higher. Uh, <laughs> you know, we're, we're very fortunate. As, as the public is continuing to engage on this issue, we are now seeing 68% of Americans supporting the outright legalization and regulation Across of the board. use. Majorities of Democrats, majorities of independents, and since 2017, majorities of Republicans. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how many states now have moved to, um, we're talking recreational use of marijuana, mm -hmm. to make it legal? Well, we like to say responsible adult use. Thank but you. recreational like works too because I also, yeah. I enjoy it. Uh, we, we are now at 11 states in the District of Columbia have legalized the responsible adult possession and consumption of marijuana. Uh, Vermont and D.C. have not set up a regulated marketplace so it's legal to grow your own, but you can't go to a store and buy it yet. Um, and then 33 states and the District of Columbia have legalized the medical use of marijuana with a doctor's recommendation. So are all of those in those states so far by initiative, not by legislation? All but two. Vermont, mm -hmm. uh, Vermont became the first state to legislatively depenalize marijuana. Uh, that's what I mean when I say it's legal to grow and, and possess mm -hmm. and consume. Uh, and then just earlier this year, Illinois became the first state to legislatively legalize and set up a regulated marketplace. Right. So we expect Illinois' marketplace, you'll be able to travel to, to the land of Lincoln and buy marijuana uh, <laughs> next year. And um, Colorado was number one, correct? Well, Colorado and Washington. Right, Colorado's Washington. election results got called first, but Washington did the same day. 
Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we heard ahead of time, of course, we've heard such fear tactics against uh, the use of marijuana for years mm-hmm. and years and years. But we heard, particularly in Colorado and Washington, all these horror stories about what might happen, what yeah. would happen, right? What has happened? I mean, let's talk, of, for example, people mm-hmm. said this is going to be an increase in violent crime. Mm-hmm. We have not seen an increase in violent crime. Uh, I've, I've dug through the crosstabs of crime data coming out of Colorado. There was one blip where arson went up by 50% because that's in a comparing time periods from there were two instances to there were three instances. Um, other than that, you know, we, we see crime down across the board. And that's a part of just, you know, the state of Colorado growing a more vibrant and strong economy that are addressing the issues of Coloradans which is including legal marijuana and the investments that it's making into public education through the additional tax Right. Resources. We also heard there's going to be a lot of uh, driving while stoned, right? A lot of arrests driving yeah. while stoned. There, there, there have been an uptick in, in the documented cases of, of uh, impaired consumption on marijuana, but it's important to recognize that when, when Colorado legalized, they changed the way that they determined uh, impairment and they changed the way that they conduct drug testing on the roads. It used to be whenever there was a, a highway fatality, the arresting officer at the scene would make a determination as to whether or not they'd do a drug test. Now they do one every time. So, you know, so a, lo- a lot of they're going to get more. Huh? Absolutely. It's, it's, it's like you're going fishing versus dragging the pond with a net. And, you know, so we have seen an uptick in the number of, of correlated incidences. Mm-hmm. So a lot of our opponents like to say, you know, paint this image of the highways of Colorado run blo- or run red with the blood of the innocent. But in, in real numbers, overall highway fatalities have gone down per capita. So the streets of Colorado are safer today than they were before they legalized marijuana. And, of course, uh, one of the big arguments was that it, just rampant teenage use, right? This is going to get into the schools, yeah. you know, grade school, middle mm-hmm. schools, high school. Yeah. Any well, evidence of that? No, absolutely none. In, in fact, we, we now have state-issued reports that show that, that teen use rates is either staying, uh, staying consistent prior to legalization or slightly declining. What we are seeing is a huge decline in the perceived access to marijuana, and that's because we're taking marijuana out of the hands of the street corner dealers, mm. and we're putting it be- behind counters where you know the business checks uh, someone's ID. So you know we're we're now seeing. I mean, I remember I was in high school just 15 years ago. Uh, it was easier to get marijuana than it was to get alcohol. You know, and it's it's that same kind of concept because we're we're putting in mechanisms of control. Do do you have any numbers on whether or not in the adult population mm-hmm. there are more people now enjoying marijuana because it is legal and it's accessible? Yeah. yeah. No, there, there, there is an increase in reported consumption, and the, the largest increase is actually among the senior population. And, and mm-hmm. you know, there, I'm, I'm sure you yeah. and I may agree on this, but the majority of seniors actually oppose the legalization of marijuana but we're seeing in states where it's reforming <laughs> that now that it's no longer against the rules, now the greatest generation is, is willing to say, you know what, if it's not illegal, I'll try it. Yeah. And they're trying right. it and they're enjoying it. And, and, and now in these regulated marketplaces, they can get so they can get teas, they can get creams for their arthritis. Mm-hmm. I mean, consumption mm-hmm. comes in a lot of forms. And they vote. <laughs> and they vote. Right. Yes. Right. So um, the uptick, I guess, mm-hmm. of course, has been 
revenue, particularly yes. for, for the states. Is yeah. that across the board that we see? And I've heard the stories yeah. about Colorado. Give, mm -hmm. Tell us about that. No, I mean, all the states are levying a, a sales tax in various points of, of the whole scale of production. But, you know, it, it is it is a sizable amount of money. In Colorado, they're reinvesting it into the schools. Other states are choosing to do different things with the tax revenue. Uh, you know, one of the things that we think is really important is that some of that tax revenue be used to uh, expunge the criminal records of those who have had marijuana offenses that prevent them from getting things like jobs and access to housing and health care, et cetera. Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of things that these states can do. And especially at a time when we see states state revenues so cough uh, or just so craving money these days. Right. A um, lot to invest in. And in Colorado, Governor Jared Polis, probably the most pro marijuana reform governor in the country, is 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 a static to announce every time that there's a new school that's being reconstructed or built um, with marijuana money. Right. Is there any parallel effort in these states? You mentioned um, some of the people who are particularly a lot of young people, a lot of young black kids mm -hmm. in prison yeah. for long terms because yeah. of marijuana use. Now that the marijuana is legal, has there been mm -hmm. any parallel effort to for sentencing reform mm -hmm. and some of these people out of jail there 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 is and it is growing in momentum and it's growing in power and growing in effectiveness when when the states of colorado and washington legalized they didn't prioritize those kind of reparative justice elements in fact when the state of washington first legalized you were unable to get a job sweeping the floor at a dispensary if you had a marijuana possession charge on your record you know absolutely absurd but there were, there were political calculations made at the time, and now it's a very different political climate to make those kind of calculations. And that's why we saw when Illinois legalized, they voted to automatically expunge the criminal records of every single person who had a nonviolent marijuana conviction. And we think that's incredibly important. And we're also seeing a, a, a big movement that, that's growing, particularly spearheaded by a few organizations like the Minority Cannabis Business Association, to prioritize access to avenues into the industry for for work and for ownership of dispensaries and, and the whole new economy that's growing for the exact same communities that have been targeted under the racist enforcement of, of criminalization. So this certainly opened up uh, enormous new opportunities for businesses to get in, to get people to get into the marijuana business, let's yeah. say. Um, Give us a, some idea of what's the nature of that business. Are we talking about small business? We're talking mm -hmm. about mom and pop operations. It it depends on the regulatory environment of the market we're talking about. I mean, a lot of these states have have gone dramatically different routes when it comes to the issuances of licensing. Uh, for example, in West Virginia, their medical program just to be considered for the privilege of obtaining a license for a dispense or for a cultivation facility, it's a $50,000 non-refundable application fee. Whoa. So I don't know a whole lot of small businesses and entrepreneurs who have $50,000 cash on hand just to roll the dice. You know, the, the guys like that they're, who are rolling the dice on that kind of money are going to Vegas. So it's, it's not the mom and pop shops. I think it's incredibly important that we recognize as we as we reform marijuana policy that it is it's a commodity. And just like any other business, we you know, we need to have sense of regulations and controls, 
but we don't need to regulate it like it's plutonium. And and some of the the barriers to entry have just been you know completely unscalable for for entrepreneurs. And some of the criticism yeah. we hear is that um, consequently. Mm-hmm. Um, it's tough for, again, s- s- a small, really small business, mom-pop operation, mm-hmm. or um, people of diversity, mm-hmm. people yeah. of color to yeah. get in this business. Yeah. Now, marijuana reform will not solve systemic racism. I mean, we marijuana reform alone can't undo the, the history of redlining or Jim Crow or segregation. and But it can be a point to address those issues. And we're seeing programs that are attempting to do so through what's called equity licensing in places like Oakland and L.A. and others, where, where they are trying to prioritize to ensure that impacted communities get a, at least a percentage of the licenses that are issued. But unfortunately, those programs are, are being constrained by the practical realities of federal prohibition, which includes you know, lack of access to capital. Because right now, all these, every single marijuana business owner is a felon, the degree of a heroin dealer under the eyes of the federal government, you know, kingpins, if you will. So they, banks are not able to issue credit. So if you don't have capital, like cash on hand in a duffel bag, ready to go pay your, you know, contractors, ready to pay your workers, uh, then, then you can't play in the market. Uh, I was just going to, to to get to that because there's this built-in mm-hmm. hurdle for them, right? Yeah. Um, that they are considered felons just by mm-hmm. opening this business. So how is that an entire offline, if you will, underground mm-hmm. economy in terms of where do they keep the revenue mm-hmm. they get? How do they pay their employees? Yeah. How do they pay their bills? Yeah. How do they pay their taxes? Or do they pay taxes if <laughs> they, they're, they, if they're they, criminal they're, they're, oper- enterprise? They, they are paying – most of them are paying their taxes. Um, you know, there's this tax penalty known as 280E. And uh, what it, it's essentially the same policy of how they got Al Capone, saying if you are profiting off of a Schedule One controlled substance, you still have to pay your taxes. <laughs> Bless the IRS. They 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 crossed all the T's to make sure that they could they could charge drug dealers with an extra crime. So, but what we're seeing is these companies they actually they have to pay all their taxes, but they don't get standard business deductions because it's an illegal product. So they're not getting the same kind of incentives incentives that every other business gets to provide health care for their employees. They're not getting the same kind of write offs for capital improvements, bringing on veterans, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera of which we do so much of our incentives through with, with nudges. And, and right now they're just not able to. Uh, Senator Merkley actually tagged along with, uh, with a cannabis business as they were going to pay their taxes. And the IRS sets up, uh, has up different points around the state at different times a year to be collection centers. This is in the state of Oregon. Uh, this is in the state of Oregon, where they wouldn't tell the cannabis business until, uh, <laughs> until just the day before because they were coming in with duffel bags full of cash. And I mean, and that's that's one of the biggest complaints I hear from state lawmakers when that they're considering putting in regulated marketplaces saying, how are we supposed to know what these businesses are doing? They're not a part of our integrated economy. And and that's just one just one of the many issues we need to address through federal policy. So the big hurdle still is mm-hmm. despite the success at the state level, the big mm-hmm. hurdle is yeah. Uh, that marijuana is still classified as a Schedule One drug yep. by the by the federal government, which means mm-hmm. 
it's addictive and has zero medical advantage, mm -hmm. right? Yep. No, and it's that simple. What's the prognosis for changing that? Well, the, the prognosis for removing marijuana from the Controlled Substances Act is, is not great as long as uh, the Senate Majority Leader is Mitch McConnell. He has expressed absolutely no interest in addressing the scheduling of marijuana. But ironically, just last year, he shepherded the descheduling of marijuana as long as it has 0.3% THC or less, what we refer to as hemp. But the, the, the CSA now says marijuana, as long as it has 0.3% or less, is legal, 0.4% or more, illegal. Um, so, uh, you know, he, he's shown no interest in changing that. Now, he, he is one of the most effective legislators of, of our time, right, or, or in, in history. Sadly. Um, you yes. know, yeah, say what you will about him, and I got a lot to say on a different topic. But, uh, but no, he, you know, perhaps he'll see that the political winds are changing and he will change his calculation. But he has made no intention that he's, or he's made no indication that he will. But... The, there, there are some technical fixes, some little tweaks here and there that, uh, that he might be amenable to, such as addressing that banking issue that, that, that we mentioned mm -hmm. just a moment ago, where, you know, because it, it would not only help the cannabis companies, but it would also help provide some certainty to the hemp markets. And the hemp markets is something that Mitch McConnell champions for the farmers in Kentucky to bring back some jobs to, to, to his state. Well, there is some progress yeah. along that line in, yeah. the, in the House yeah. recently. Yes. No, the, the House of Representatives uh, are leading the way right now. They, we just had a vote a couple weeks ago. That was 321 uh, to, to 105. And it was, I'm sorry, one of three. Um, mm -hmm. right, yeah. Uh, and uh, it, it, was, it was a really, really strong showing. All but one Democrat voted in favor of it. 91 Republicans voted for it and the independent Justin Amash. Uh, and, and what this bill would do is, is just essentially create a, what we refer to as a safe harbor for banks that choose to engage in business with marijuana companies. So it's, it's not a panacea. It's not going to solve all the problems. But it would, if if enacted, would allow local uh, local banks would mainly get into it. I don't mm -hmm. think Wells Fargo or Bank of America want to mess with the Controlled Substances Act. But local regional banks and credit unions who desperately need to bring more cons more clients in would would look to this. But that's huge. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. a huge victory for. Uh, yeah. the cannabis community, if you will, and for well, the uh, yeah. pot caucus in the yeah. House of Representatives, which is cannabis caucus. Thank oh, I'm you sorry, very the much. cannabis caucus, <laughs> which, <laughs> which is growing in numbers. I know, I know yes. many members of it, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm sure this is something they've been yeah. working for for a long yes. time. Yes. Now we we had such a such an in, incredibly diverse coalition of uh, members of Congress and of groups pushing this bill. You know, I, I did not expect to see the American Bankers Association at our weekly meetings, but they there they were, um, and and they they really helped us get it over the finish line for uh, you know again for this very narrow legislation, but this narrow legislation legitimizes the retail sale of marijuana in America, and and that to that point, you know 45 percent of the Republican caucus, mm -hmm. nearly a hundred percent of the Democratic caucus in the House 
all voted to legitimize the retail sale of marijuana. Yeah, that's, that's pretty huge. remarkable. Again, talking with Justin Strakel here from Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, around since 1970. Uh, we'll take a quick break. Today's podcast brought to you by the Laborers International Association, the Laborers Union under the leadership of President Terry O'Sullivan. They are literally rebuilding America from the ground up. And, in fact, that's their website, LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, LiunaBuildsAmerica.org. Check out their website. We thank them for their good work in the construction industry and for their support of the Bill Press Pod. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Justin, uh, thanks again for, for joining us here, and thanks for your good work at, uh, at Normal. So under President Obama, uh, I remember being worried that uh, Eric Holder and President Obama would clamp down on Colorado and Washington then mm-hmm. and then other states. Uh, and they chose not to. They chose, in effect, to look the other way and say if states— Mm-hmm. Uh, it, correct me if I'm wrong. They, they, they did eventually for, come to that. Eventually, right, yes. right. Yeah. I, I, was, I was worried. What is the Trump organization? I know mm. Jeff Sessions said, uh-uh, 180 degrees in the opposite direction. Yeah. What's been the reality of mm-hmm. uh, enforcement and yeah. cracking down on states under the Trump administration? Well, first, to, to address your point about the Obama administration, during his first t- term, there was no legal adult use marijuana. Mm-hmm. And and the, the DEA did routinely go and shut down medical dispensaries around the country. 
you know, it, it was targeted. It wasn't a systemic crackdown, but it was targeted enforcement actions. Um, and it wasn't until 2013, after Colorado and Washington voted to legalize adult use, that the, the administration put forward what, what we refer to as the Cole Memo, um, which represented, you know, an uneasy detente between federal prohibition and state's mm-hmm. legalization. And it laid out uh, eight guidelines saying, you know, as long as we don't hear about violations of these eight guidelines, we're not going to prioritize enforcement, which was, which included but were limited to, you know, interstate trafficking of, of state legal products across state borders, uh, distribution to minors, you know, those kind of very, very pragmatic things. Um, that memo stayed in effect until January 4th, 20, uh, 2018, when Jeff Sessions decided as the attorney general decided to rescind it. You know, Je- Jeff Sessions may be the, the most reefer madness stricken individual <laughs> in in the United States. He loved to talk about how much he hated marijuana yeah. and, and, and claimed that good people do not smoke marijuana. Um, you know, we, we were we were really worried that, that the attorney general or now previously previous attorney general Sessions was going to take action. But in, in the end, he ended up being all bark and no bite. And, and and we were successful in getting, uh, you know, really emboldening our congressional allies to, to vi- vigorously speak out against this. Mm-hmm. We saw an unprecedented um, level of action out of Senator Cory Gardner, where he decided to hold up nominations for, um, for, for various spots at the DOJ um, until we could get some kind of, of, of guidance from the from the attorney general to not take enforcement actions. And they had a conversation. Um, supposedly, supposedly it went well, and here we are still in this uneasy detente. But when when we talk about governments, when we you know, just at the most foundational American principles is, is the the belief in the rule of law. And the every single day we have laws on the books that we don't enforce, it undermines the, the the promise and certainty of America. And and it's really time that we make these statutory changes and we end prohibition. And Bill Barr has probably been so busy mm-hmm. with uh, uncovering uh, yeah. DNC servers in the Ukraine or yes. Italy that he has yeah. not gotten around to this as yet. Yeah, no. Attorney uh, <laughs> General Barr has, 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 has not talked about marijuana, to my <laughs> knowledge, for one moment of, of his time in, oh. in office. And, and I don't suspect he's going to prioritize it anytime soon. So you did mention, and I wanted to ask you about that, it, it's still if state after state now, 11 mm-hmm. states, but you cannot buy it in one state and take it to another state, correct? correct. Yeah. If, if, you, if you go and legally purchase marijuana in Oregon and then travel to California, you violate federal law when you cross that border, and you're violating the state laws too. Right. We see with uh, casinos that people mm-hmm. will go from one state to another because they're Casino yeah. gambling may be illegal in their state, but mm-hmm. they can. Uh, is, is there evidence of a lot of cross-state, you know, interstate traffic or interstate traffic like that? Well, there, there's always been interstate trafficking of yeah, marijuana. So. Um, you know, now, now the question is, is just were they, per, were they products purchased legally or were they products purchased uh, illegally? And, you know, there, there is some runoff of that. But if anything, that only demonstrates the need for more states to reform. Um, you know, we, we've seen a significant uh, decline in, in illegal marijuana activities in the states that have reformed, but we still don't see their entire consumer economy of marijuana being purchased at state legal dispensaries. 
you know, we're talking about uh, dragging an entire sector of the economy out of the shadows and, and putting it into a regulated marketplace. And that's why you still see, you know, estimates say about 40% of marijuana commerce in Colorado is still done on, on the unregulated market. What states are next? What do you, where are you the uh, most hopeful to see, uh, to see change? There, well, in the 2020 legislative session, uh, we, we do, we're looking predominantly at the Northeast, where states like New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, possibly Rhode Island, um, that, that could be flipping. We, we do have our, our second tier states, which include places like uh, Pennsylvania, New or New Mexico is also a top mm-hmm. tier, a tier one state. The governor Michelle Lujan Grisham just laid out a roadmap to get it done. Um, but you know, legislatively, we're still going to see some roadblocks. But I think that Illinois legalizing in 20, uh, 2019 could could be later viewed as when the fever broke. When, when a state stepped up and said, we will be the first to legislatively enact a regulated marketplace, because to that point, it had all been done by ballot initiatives. Um, so I think we could pick up another two, two to four states in the legislative session next year. And then at the ballot box, I mean, we, we could see as many as, as 10 states, 15 wow. states on the ballot with, with initiatives, be it for uh, medical use in places like Idaho or South Dakota. <laughs> Um, or, or Mississippi and Nebraska to adult use in Arizona, Florida, and, and potentially others. Uh, so there, there's a lot of things going on. A lot of organizations are now working on these issues. So I want to ask you about two real current public safety crises. The first being yeah. vaping. Yeah. Um, is this not mm-hmm. just tobacco, but marijuana? Oh, and, yeah. And um, you know, <clears throat> how serious is it yeah. and what's being done about it? Yeah. No, it's, it's an incredibly serious issue. Um, and, and it's an issue because we're, we're seeing this emerging technology coming in that and it is uh, the unregulated products that are being correlated with the these cases of illness and death. There, there are two only two of the cases that have been uh, outlined over in the over a thousand have have had individuals who have been connected to the adult use, uh, to a regulated adult use market. The rest of them, all unregulated products. And, it's, and they're, they're being tied, they're, there's a vitamin E acetate issue where that's kind of a compound to thicken the, the gel um, to, to heavy metal contaminants. And, and this is simply a byproduct of the fact that this is an illegal market. If we legalize it, if we regulate it, then we won't have these types of problems or at least we'll have a system that is in place to be able to address the issues. You know, I when 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 I go to a bar and and I order a beer, I I could say with 99.99% certainty that what's in that is not going to get me sick, right? And if it does, then there are mechanisms for me as a consumer to take action against that company. We don't have that in an illegal marketplace, and that's what we need. Right. And the other is the opioid crisis. Mm-hmm. And I've seen some reports that people are saying, don't take opioids, smoke yeah. pot. Yeah. It, well, it, I'm it, not. Is this a real movement or? Yes, yes and no. I mean, I'm not a physician. I'm not ever going to tell someone to do one <laughs> thing and not the other thing. But but I can say if you look at the emerging data that, that is coming out, and it's it seems like nearly a peer-reviewed uh, report every week, um, that, that there is a strong correlation 
um, between the decline in opioid uh, abuse, decline in opioid fatalities, and a connection with access to, to medical marijuana. Um, you know, marijuana has been a, a tool in nature's medicine cabinet for our entire existence as a species. And, and I think that if for people, particularly those who suffer from, from issues like chronic pain, intractable epilepsy, PTSD, um, you know, neuropathy, et cetera, et cetera, you know, marijuana could be something that they choose to do. Just as, you know, some people drink a, drink a hot glass of tea at, at night, you know, maybe maybe the cannabis tea would help them sleep and replace sleeping pills. But it, it's something that is a case-by-case basis that needs to be a legal conversation that an individual can have with their doctor. And, and the state has no business in the, as part of that conversation. Uh, so I come from California where a marijuana has always been mm-hmm. a, a, a major slice of the economy, mm-hmm. uh, underground <laughs> until recently. Yeah. Uh, overall, nationwide, um, the pot economy is mm-hmm. pretty big, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're talking about a, a substance that has a built-in consumer base of about 13 to 14 percent of the population. And so when you talk grower, distri- growing, distribution, mm-hmm. now your yeah. um, retail outlets, whatever they are. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of jobs. <laughs> a lot of jobs. Jobs, jobs, jobs. I mean, d- d- and I guess we could call them green jobs. <laughs> it, it's, it, it, Killer Mike calls it the real Green New Deal. Um, <laughs> you know, there's, there, there's, if you know, depending on what numbers you look at, everyone's, everyone has numbers. Um, there, there's approximately two hundred and eleven thousand jobs in the legal cannabis marketplace right now. And that's that's everything from plant touching to to the the production of packaging to the graphic designers who are specializing in in as ancillary services for cannabis companies. Um, to put that in perspective, that is nearly three times the number of tax-paying American workers in the coal industry. Whoa! And and when when we think about the the economic potential of this plant, be it be it marijuana or what we regard as hemp. You know, it, it's very, real, very possible that it will be America's largest cash crop in the near future. And is it is it a hundred percent homegrown, or are we still importing? We're we're the the illicit market is still importing, um, but you know that's that that is declining. The the Cato Institute recently put out uh, put out a report saying that one of the best things America could do to end drugs coming over the border is to legalize marijuana. And, and they cited, mm-hmm. uh, cited reports showing a, a significant de- decrease in the amount of marijuana coming in uh, on the western end of the Mexican border. And, and that's because we're, we're, we're dealing with patriotic American-grown marijuana right here at home. So uh, final question. What are your immediate goals, the things that mm-hmm. you want to get done? And how can our listeners help? So for at, at the federal level, the, the immediate goals are, are we have three tracks. One is in the Senate where we're hoping to pass the Safe Banking Act um, after the coming off of the momentum that we had with the historic bipartisan vote just a couple months ago. Okay. Um, Mitch McConnell, are you listening? Mitch McConnell. Those Kentucky growers can grow pot as well yeah. as hemp. Right? Oh, absolutely. And, and there's a, there's a, with the governor's race in Kentucky, there's a very real possibility that we'll have a, a mm-hmm. medical marijuana-friendly governor in the in the near future um in the house we were focused on uh chairman nadler chairman of the judiciary 
introduced what's known as the Marijuana Opportunity Reinvestment and Expungement Act, uh, or more for short. Uh, he he became the first ever judiciary chair to introduce a bill to end uh, prohibition. It's already got 50 members of Congress on as co-sponsors, and and it's our hope that we'll be able to get that bill out of committee either by the end of this year or in the first quarter of next year. And But a, as you're well aware, the Judiciary Committee has a lot of things on its plate right now. So while, while we are understanding of, of the chairman's limited time, we, we are really uh, vigorously pushing to get that as soon as possible out of committee. Uh, so that way we can have the full floor vote on it as well, and we can have uh, members of Congress go on record where they stand. Should we maintain the status quo of criminalization and prohibition, or should we move towards legalization and regulation? Um, and then at, at, at the uh, at the White House, you know, we were having there there have been conversations that have been had with members of the DOJ and 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 in the White House itself about what are the possibilities for for the president to have uh, that that he could go should he so choose, and and the, there there's a lot of like really technical aspects of what would be needed to be done. Um, and, and that's one of the things that they haven't dedicated a whole lot of time or attention to. Um, but it, they're, they're, they are curious. Um, so while I think it's unlikely, I think it is wholly possible that we could see something given the upcoming election. Uh, and people who want to uh, pitch mm-hmm. in or help at their yeah. at the state so, level or yeah. the federal level, so how, one of how one of the reasons you, what can they do? Yeah, one of the reasons why we are at this moment where where we have the majority of public support for marijuana is because of the work of people done by by volunteers, activists, and advocates all around the country. We have over 150 chapters. All around the country, from from groups of five in a small town who regularly show up to their city council, to to Texas Normal, where they regularly turn out 700 people for statewide lobby days. Um, so at normal.org, n-o-r-m-l.org, uh, you you can find you can find a list of the chapters around the country. If there's not one near you, you can find out how to start one, and and or you can just contact your lawmakers. We make it really easy. We have pre-written letters. You can edit it as you see fit. And, and send it just so that way you know in this representative democracy you made an effort, you contacted your lawmakers, and you said you support legalization, and you will be joining thousands and thousands and thousands of others who have done so already, and, and together we're going to get it done. So a long way to go, but a yeah. lot of progress has yeah. been made in the last couple of years. Oh, yes. Indeed. Yes. Yeah. Our, our, our slowest days today are busier than our busiest days were when I started here just a few years ago. Justin, thanks so much. Thank you, Bill. Thanks for your good work. And that's it for today's podcast. Thanks again to Justin Strako from Normal. Thanks to all of you for listening. And now, just one little favor. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the Bill Press Pod. And the way you do so, very easy. Just go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or TuneIn. Search for the Bill Press Pod, and you'll see it. You click right there to subscribe. And if you really want us to do us a favor, give us a big five-star review that really helps us get the word out. Also ask you to uh, check my Twitter feed at Bill Press Pod for uh, news about any upcoming podcast so you won't miss even one. Again, thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next edition of the Bill Press Pod.